Welcome to Women in Electronics, the only show that empowers, develops, advocates, and celebrates the accomplishments and advancement of women in the electronics industry. With your host, Jackie Maddox. Well, here we are again in our uh, Leadership and Highlight radio program with the third part of our series with Michael Knight, uh, president of TTI Semiconductor Division. Michael, once again, thank you for joining us and taking all this time with us. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. This has been fun so far. Oh. Try, not to, try not to screw it up. <laughs> Definitely not doing that. And, you know, we ended our last conversation on such a interesting note and um, you were mentioning Berkshire Hathaway and Warren Buffett and who owned you and you were talking about um, Mike Morton and Paul Andrews and you know it, it just spurred me to think about the discussion with Don Akery um, and that he'll be addressing these issues so those listeners tuning in please listen to the next interview with Don Akery who's going to be addressing how TTI um, is affiliated with Berkshire Hathaway and how this all came together and what the, does that mean for the company and the values. So that's just a really fascinating conversation. But uh, anyway, it's, it's, it's a super interesting story and, and uh, Don's been right in the thick of it. So that should be one uh, definitely worth listening to. Well, hats off to TTI and all the accomplishments, but you know, Michael, since we have limited time, I feel like I, you know, want to get through talking to you. I could talk to you all day. I wish I could just reserve you um, and, and talk to you more because the more I talk to you, the more I realize you kind of just like throw out a statement, but in that statement is so much was like, hold on, wait a minute. What did you just say? Um, because there's so many accomplishments um, that I'm finding more and more with you. But one of the things that really warms my heart and that I would have to say, and this is in all honesty, the best presentation I've seen was your coding diversity into technology. Um, I love that presentation. Um, this goes back to how we started a connection through Women Electronics when I sent you a bunch of data one time and I just kind of threw it out there to you and you started researching as well and started realizing that the diversity issues were pretty critical and we just started having a working relationship since then and that led us into um, our current partnership with uh, TTI and Women in Electronics. But can you get into that a little bit, talking about that presentation, what spurred you to do that, why it's important and what you're doing with it? Yeah, uh, it's actually one of my favorite presentations to do and I've had a chance to do it a uh, number of times since, I don't know when it was, October last year, I did it for the Women in Electronics group, done it for the Sparkers. Um, I do it a lot at, at uh, University of Texas, which I, I do a guest lecture series in the marketing department there. And this is one of my favorites to do. And it's actually one of uh, the ones that's best received. And I think it is because um, it, it brings an aspect to technology that, first of all, is extremely important, but I think it, it helps connect people to technology. And one of the things that I've, uh, I've seen as I've gone deeper and deeper in this, and I keep this presentation up to date, is there is a, a distinct lack of diversity in the tech community. Um, and I, 
by the way, there's this distinct lack of diversity in lots of other industries and communities. But in, in technology in particular, there's some danger here in, uh, in that with a lack of diversity, what you end up with is kind of homogenized bias that ends up getting hard-coded into technology. And that's one of the things I, I talk about. It's probably the heart and soul of this presentation that we're talking about. Um, and so what I'm talking about there is imagine you've got a group of middle-aged white guys who are developing an AI. And that AI is going to then uh, influence the decision-making process, the thought process, the preference of a whole group of people, you know, people all over the world that the AI, the AI uh, interacts with. So what it is unconsciously going to be pushing people towards are things that the, this group of middle-aged white guys who developed the AI uh, favor, right? So uh, not necessarily a good thing. And there's a ton of examples, and I go into them in this presentation of where uh, bias has been hard-coded into AI with uh, very disastrous effects. So my purpose in, the, in all of this is to raise awareness, um, and it ties back to the, the absolute critical need to have uh, diversity in technology. Then you can take that down, and maybe I will take it down a little bit into diversity in teams. But the bias thing is something to be uh, really aware of. And of course, it, you know, these days, it's got a negative connotation, but I think it's a perfectly natural thing in that uh, bias is one of those ways that, especially early in our evolution, you know, we protected ourselves. Um, you're biased towards people in your group. You're biased towards people that look like you. I mean, that's because at the end of the day, what our objective is as individuals is to move forward, to pass our genes on to the next generation, et cetera, et cetera. So bias is, um, bias is a very natural and necessary thing, but we, we've got to be aware of it because we now have this ability to take our opinion and very subtly uh, exert it in, and create influence across large groups of people, um, which isn't necessarily uh, a good thing, especially if it's if it's uh, not a healthy uh, healthy opinion. So, right, and you know that raises a very critical point. You're talking about bias, and we do a lot of education and women electronics on unconscious bias. So that's what you're talking about is unconsciously, all these things come to you, and in if you're not aware and you're not processing it and thinking about it you could become biased without even realizing it. So what's your take on unconscious bias and how have you within TTI and just what you're doing as a leader, what, what are your thoughts on that? And, and how are you taking steps in a technology-based industry to overcome this issue? Yeah, boy, where do I, where do I start with this? Um, First of all, you have to have some recognition and you have to have some very deep seated belief that diversity and I'm not just talking gender diversity, you know, it's racial diversity, uh, you know, pick your preference. It's diversity is really important to teams and there's a ton of data that I won't get into that talks about uh, how diverse teams outperform uh, non diverse teams. So there's a, a strong financial incentive. Uh, business performance incentive to embrace diversity. So start, you got you to gotta understand that. You really got to believe it. But then, okay, let's say you've 
you've got that. And, and we've got that at TTI. It's a very hard thing to implement um, for uh, lots of different reasons, but it starts with hiring, you know, um, you know, who are you attracting into your hiring pool? Um, there's, we could spend hours uh, talking about this, but what you have to guard against is the unconscious bias piece of it that you refer to so that if you're not careful what you find yourself doing as a hiring manager is selecting people who uh, you like a lot, who look like you, who think like you, and that, uh, that doesn't make for a, a diverse team. Not, you don't get diversity of thought um, if everybody in the room uh, looks and thinks like you, sounds like you. So um, there's, a, there's a lot to this. It's a journey. Some companies, I think, do it really, really well. You have companies like Medtronics that has a chief diversity officer. Uh, Intel is very well known for this. They're very committed to uh, uh, not just creating diversity, but activating it, uh, creating inclusion um, in, their, in their company, and they see huge benefit from it. So it, it's a big topic and, and one that I drill down pretty deeply in this presentation that you referenced. Well, you do an excellent job with it. And I have to say, you know, for the leaders listening, um, one thing that I really respect about you and um, TTI is that is the awareness is that you're willing to see it, that that is an issue. And then every company, us as individuals, like you said, we all have it. It's just a way to survive, but it's the awareness and you'll refer to emotional intelligence. All these types of trainings and development are so important because you bring that into the business world. And um, if you're not aware of yourself and what your biases are and catching yourself, like you described, if you're having a meeting and everybody's the same, you're making quick decisions, but you don't know what you missed in the gap. You don't know what you don't know. And that's where companies are impacted in a way that they never um, anticipated. And so you mentioned Phil Gallagher before, um, love Phil too, and we've interviewed him. And he actually uh, put a policy in place at Avnet where they scrub names off a of resume. So you mentioned there's lots of ways. Awesome idea. Right. So that you just look at the qualifications. So in our industry, um, you know, as we know, we've had um, a very um, male dominated industry and it's a very similar demographic. Um, not that there's anything wrong with it, but at this stage when we're, we're wanting to get new leaders into the industry, we're becoming a very mature industry and we're wanting to pave the way for the next set of leaders. So that really segues into our next question um, as far as the leadership pool. So one of the reasons Women in Electronics is here to begin with is just because of we looked around and saw like, oh my gosh, where's, where's everybody? Um, we respect our current leaders. We think they're doing an excellent job, um, but we just aren't sensing, seeing that next wave coming up. Um, how has this all impacted that? And, and let me get your thoughts on that. What do you see in our industry over the next five to 10 years? Do you feel that we're prepared with how we're training up our leaders um, with our current leaders probably going to be retiring in, in the next five to 10 years? Um, we're hearing these figures like 70% leadership turnover. What's your advice to these next set of leaders and also the current leaders to become more involved with mentorship and, and things like that? I know it's a very loaded question, but so critical and important. So what are your thoughts on that, Michael? Yeah. Oh boy. Big, 
big topic. And you're right. I see the same thing. You look around the industry, you know, in distributors, manufacturers, reps, uh, you know, end customers, um, in the top one or two levels of org charts, the people there are closer to 60 than 50, a lot closer to 70 than 60, right? And um, so there's a tremendous amount of experience that when those people step down has to be replaced. And, you know, experience is not something you take a pill for, obviously. I mean, you, you ex experience is hard won. It takes time. You have to be uh, pressure tested. Um, we've had a lot of up and down cycles that are, have been the pressure testing for great leaders like, you know, Paul and Mike and Phil and many others. Um, not going to be easy to replace them, but what's more troubling is when I look closer, I get under the hood of that, I'm not seeing a lot of obvious succession candidates. And there's a lot of reasons for this. You know, this leadership, we're, we're living longer, we're working longer, we're uh, clogging up the system and not letting people come up uh, as fast as they once did. But um, we, there's going to be a price to pay on this. When the, this current leadership team in the industry starts rolling off, um, I honestly don't know uh, if, if we're prepared. If, if we are, it's not obvious. So, and we're dealing with this right now at GTI. We're dusting off our succession planning, trying to get more deliberate and proactive about moving out of a planning stage into an implementation stage. Um, it's, you know, it's, it, it's tough stuff to do, especially when you're in a thriving industry that's growing quickly. Um, you know, that tends, you've got tons of stuff in your day-to-day -day life. It's easy to put this uh, stuff off, you know, to kick the can down the road. And, um, you know, I, I think there's been a, a lot of that, um, that we've got to, we, we've got to address because, you know, just talent development, mentoring, as we've talked a lot about is a, is a big piece of that. Um, so, you know, I've got, I, I, I've been through this. I have my own challenges with it. Um, and it's, uh, you got to make it maybe my one piece of advice is, uh, for leaders at any level of the company, this has got to be on the top of your to-do list. You know, it's not something that, um, you, it's not a candy kick down the road. You've got to, you've got to get after this because, I tell you one thing that's a truism, time flies, mm. you know, and five years in this industry, gonna, that's like, we're going to wake up tomorrow. It's going to be five years in the future. Um, and so we, we've got to, we cannot delay. So you would ask me about what my advice would be to kind of next generation leaders. Um, and it, it, I actually thought a lot about this. I have my own kind of internal operating manual, which if you indulge me, I'll, I'll share with you. It's, it's pretty simple. It's work harder than everyone around you. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been, that's been the number one key to anything I've accomplished is, is uh, in at virtually every successful person I know um, practices this. You just, you just got to work hard. You got to th think for yourself and develop um, a lifelong uh, self edification habit, you know, whether it's reading, uh, however, you're going to get your information. It, it, that's got to be, you know, that's the fuel to your development and progression. Um, I said this earlier, play to win. Even if you don't like the particular game you happen to be playing, 
Um, once you're in it, you, you, you got to play to win. Um, you can't just sit on the sidelines and say, hey, this isn't what I want to do. You got you to gotta own it. That's If you want to get into a, a more interesting game, uh, that's the way to do it. Um, and then finally, and this is a this is a biggie, and it was formed by my my early years. Um, the world doesn't owe any of us a living, uh, and life can be horribly, horribly unfair. Um, so when things are going your way, you got to take them for granted. You got to just appreciate the hell out of it. Um, that's re really important to me. Don't take things for granted. Uh, but also don't uh, take it personally when something doesn't go your way. Um, you know, the world is, the world is what it is. Um, it's, it's just, I, well, I probably shouldn't share this, but I'm going to anyway while I'm thinking about it. One of the things on my uh, long-term to-do list, I've got a couple of ideas for children's books that I would like uh, to write because I think it's important for people to understand that the world is, the world doesn't owe you a living. Uh, you have to go and make it. Um, the world will give you those opportunities. You just have to have the, the right mindset. Wow, Michael. Okay, so we're going to end on that note, but we're going to start up the next part of our series <laughs> on that note because I want to talk to you more about it. Thank you for joining us, Michael, and we'll catch you next time for the last uh, part of this series with Michael Knight. All of our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome. You've been listening to another episode of Women in Electronics right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.